Hello and welcome to The View from the Ninian. I'm Scott Salter and this week it's the last podcast of 2019. We're taking a little break over Christmas before we're back in 2020 with even more View from the Ninian content than ever. I'm joined this week by Ben Price. We chat that epic Leeds comeback. Look forward to the Preston game and the Christmas period, the busy, busy festive schedule. And we also nominate our view from the Ninian team of the decade. Uh, make sure you listen to that one. Have a great Christmas and see you in 2020. Well, as usual, I'm joined this week by Ben Price. How are you, Ben? Not bad, my friend. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Christmas is uh, is almost upon us. You you ready? Uh, just about. It's been. We've got a wedding coming up next year, so we've got an excuse not to buy people presents, and we're taking full advantage of that. To be honest. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty much the same. So, uh, <laughs> if anyone's listening, you're getting nothing. Yeah, same with me. Yeah, so we're obviously coming off a pretty crazy game last weekend. A 3-3 draw against Leeds. Obviously, Cardiff coming back after being 3-0 down, down to 10 men as well. Ben, what was your summary of the game and what were your thoughts afterwards? Um, mental, I think, is the only way to describe it. Um, a really, really bad, seven, probably 60, 70 minutes. I don't think we were that good even after Tomlin scored. Um, it took until about probably the 70th minute for us really to put the pressure on Leeds, and Leeds really switched off. Um, when it got to about the 70th minute, I think they thought, ah, oh, it's game over here, we've won. But before that, it was um, shocking, I think is a fair way to say it. We were lucky to be 2-0 down at half, uh, 3-0 down at half-time. It could have been 5 or 6, really. Um, but the last 20 minutes, the character shown by those players um was absolutely outstanding tomlin especially we know i know the assist and the goal have got rave reviews and rightly so but my god he for a bloke that uh warnock claimed was unfit and couldn't last 90 minutes he was all over the shop absolutely brilliant the whole team did really well um i was buzzing at the end of it really really sat at home watching it and then uh yeah bouncing at full time um gave me a great little buzz for the rest of the weekend to be honest (laughs) it's easy isn't it to get kind of carried away with the, the epic comeback but we were 3-0 down we we were pretty poor like you said for 60-70 minutes and that has become a theme hasn't it throughout well throughout the season but in recent weeks as well we've been lucky in a lot of games that we have managed to pull it around Brentford last week was an example where we didn't pull it around that's a problem, isn't it? That's something that really needs to be addressed, and, and I'm sure they are. And I'm sure Neil Harris, in many ways, is scratching his head because he's probably putting all this work on the training ground and then they're not turning up for the first 60 minutes. It's mentally, it's the start of the games and start of the halves that I find the most concerning. How teams literally, like FIFA style, will just run through you and get a shot on on goal. Um, it's just mental how it's... The last probably four games we've had that issue. Um, start of the second half, start of the first half, teams coming through and uh, Leeds punished us for it, to be fair. Um, so did Brentford, but um, other teams haven't. We've got a bit lucky. Um, I really don't get what the answer is because there's not a lot a manager can do. His halftime team, it's, it, he needs to change his halftime team talks or something because whatever he's doing, it's not having um, the desired effects. They go out with just switched off. I don't know what, they, what he's doing there, but... There's only so much... Yeah, it's, it's on that, the players. It? It's on the players. Hundred percent, it's on the players. They should be switched on, ready to go. 
and for whatever reason, as soon as the game starts, it takes them longer than it has over the last few weeks to get up to speed. And um, you think, well, we, we should that should be an easy fix, but it doesn't seem to be. Um, yeah, just the last few games, it's been the same issue. And I don't know how you, how a manager solves that. It's down to each individual player. Yeah, absolutely. I'll admit I didn't I didn't see the game uh, kind of live. I was one of those designated uh, Christmas shopping days with with the misses, and I was kind of you know, as I do, as you do. Um, I'm sure all of us do if we're not at a game or not able to kind of listen or watch. And you kind of refresh in Twitter and the the app all the time for goal updates. And it got to three nil, and I was just like. This has put me in a bad mood. It's ruining my day out. So I stopped. Uh, I stopped checking the score at three 0 and then obviously in the evening I looked on Twitter and saw we'd drawn a three 0 So that was quite a nice, a nice surprise. Um, but it looked like also Will Volks got got a start. His his first in in a while, isn't it? And it looked like an interesting system on paper, at least that that Harris had had, had operated. I'm not sure if it was a four four two with. Rawls on the left and Tomlin up front, or a four-three-three with with Tomlin kind of off the left wing. Um, I think part of the issue was the players didn't know either. Um, I think the first sixty minutes part of it was the shape. Uh, four centre midfielders on the pitch. Um, we were very lopsided, and um, Leeds exploited that massively. I was genuinely worried. Um, we spoke last week. I can't remember who tweeted in about it about doing the narrow formation with the uh, with the in with the diamond yeah and i was honestly concerned he'd gone for that and proved that we were getting battered for it um it, i wasn't sure if mendez was starting up front or if he was playing as a winger and we weren't playing a winger on the right hand side i just have no idea um and the players didn't either it looked like a system that just didn't work um, I feel sorry for Volks. It's his first start. He's been put into a system that hasn't worked. He didn't play badly, didn't play great, but none of the players did at that point. And uh, pulled after 60 minutes to change the shape and try and get another wide man on. But um, yeah, it was just an interesting. It was an interesting choice of team in general. I think uh, when you look at the players on the on the bench, I know I think a lot of it was thrown out when uh, Medine wasn't fit. But um, Glatzel coming in did all right when he scored that um, equaliser. But yeah. it was just the shape just didn't work for that team. Uh, Leeds found it very easy to play against us for seventy minutes. You'd imagine. I, I know it doesn't seem the case. When, like you said, when Leeds found it very easy, but you'd imagine Harris was was concentrating strongly on stopping Leeds and kind of had done this this random, unusual shape and system for us at least in order to try and you know protect certain areas to counter them but like I said it just didn't work and it's perhaps the first time that that we can not question because I don't think you know you've got to try stuff sometimes but Harris has been maybe slightly tactically naive and, and outclassed in other games it's kind of just been either moments of quality or, or poor moments on us that decided games but here it seemed in that first 60 minutes that his tactics kind of cost us a bit yeah I think that's fair um I think he set up for something that Leeds found a solution to very quickly. I think on paper he's looked at this sort of thing and gone, right, if we set up like this, we'll stop whoever it is. They were trying to stop, um, whether it was Costa, but it didn't seem like that because he got a lot of free running down that right-hand side. Um, or Hernandez looking to stop it at Source, trying to stop it there. And it just didn't work because Leeds changed the shape and sort of worked around it. Um, Leeds were really good, mind until they can see the last-minute goals. They're a talented side. 
Um, their midfield they're fantastic aren't they Just it's just the fluidity of their midfield I don't I, you can say Costa's playing on the right Costa's playing on the left whatever I don't think any of those midfielders literally are just midfielders they just play with their space um, they've got the freedom to move around because they know the defence is solid and well should have been solid and stop the goals uh, stop players coming through um, it must have been a nightmare to defend against um, I think that's why especially the fullbacks struggled so much didn't help very again very very little support from the wingers um especially in that first half uh Peltier and and Bennett took an absolute hammering from those Leeds players it would have been interesting if Warnock was still in charge because so often against teams like Leeds you like to kind of employ that real you know in basketball they call it like a full court marking you know where the full backs the players literally man mark and follow everywhere so that that defence would have been absolutely pulled pulled to shreds even more and all over the place if Warnock was in charge. And Well, I think at some, you'd end up with, um, at one stage, Peltier and Bennett playing centre-halves and yeah. Morrison and Flint's out as wing-backs. And um, that sort of happened a few times as well and it sort of caused a bit of an issue um, purely because the players were trying to mark their man. But because the movement was so, go- so good from the Leeds players, they had to switch to zonal marking. And it took them a while to sort of get used to that and put that system into place. And there's a few sort of talking points with goals and stuff like that. So let's go through some of those. The first goal, it was a lethal counter-attack, wasn't it? But when I was watching the highlights and looking at it, I wondered, was it just such a good counter-attack that it was hard to stop? Or did the fitness of the Cardiff players that has been called into question a bit show when they were trying to to chase back you know they they looked like they were left for dead at times oh absolutely blitzed um the pass uh it was hernandez wasn't it that put the pass across costa yeah. um yeah just did us on the counter um the fit midfield all out of sorts the defense struggling to get back and did they tried their hardest to be fair um and then a very good finish but yeah there's so much better defensively we could have been for the goal uh for that first i think for all the goals to be honest also, um, the second goal, for me, looking at the highlights, it looked like a, a poor flint, maybe marking, got caught under the ball a bit, loses Bamford, who kind of just drifts off him a bit. Is that a fair assessment, do you think? I think it is, but I also think Mendes Lang needs to be shot for the pass that got the ball in it, uh, the loose pass that Leeds picked up before the goal, before the ball got put into the box. Um, it's the second time he's been caught out in two games doing a pass like that. Um while I agree Flint's marking was absolutely abysmal, we could have done a lot more. Well, Mendes could have done a lot more by closing his man down after he's given the ball away to stop the ball coming in and just eliminates that pressure itself. It's another goal that we sort of created problems for ourselves with. And the third goal, the penalty. At first, when I watched it, I thought that I don't think that's a penalty, but I think Ether just makes it so easy for him rushing out and diving in like that. He probably did go down a bit easy, but... Who could blame him when Etheridge comes out like that? It's a stupid... I'm going to say this for the referee. I think the referee had an all right game. I think he got the red card right, and I think he got the uh, penalty right. Um, Etheridge was absolutely so naive to stick his arm out when a player... The ball's going out of play. There's no way Bamford's getting that. Bamford leaves his leg there. He doesn't stick it out. He just leaves the leg there for the keeper to catch. And... If any striker worth his salt will do that. Um, you've just got to have a clever keeper that's not stupid enough to get caught and take the, um, take the bait. Etheridge took the bait, hook, line, and sinker, and it was no doubt a penalty. 
Um, it's one of those ones that I think the old school sort of say it's never a penalty, but in the new modern age with the player doing that, it's a penalty. It's it's a stupid penalty. He's guilty of that sometimes, after, isn't he? That that slight loss of of concentration or rush of blood to head that he just. It's a rush of blood, rash, I think, yeah. isn't it? It's what yeah. causes hamstring to pop against Wigan. Just that sudden, I'm going to do this, sod it. And it pays off. I'm not slagging Etheridge off. Um, I think the save later in the second half was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Sort of any mistake he made, that sort of that save alone made up for it. But he needs to cut these out. To, I think that's sort of why Premier League teams haven't gone back in for him. Um, I think it's purely because he's prone to these sort of moments or his also his lack of distribution, but that's never going to change. Um, but the moments like that really do hurt his cause for someone that is a very, very good goalkeeper in this league. Yeah, while we're on Etheridge, I've seen a few people talk about this on, on Twitter. Um, if a Premier League team did come in with a, a £5 million offer for Etheridge in January, do you take it? Yeah, but I don't think they're going to. No. Um, I really don't. Um He's not been fantastic this season. He's had injury problems. Um, he's still yet to pick up the form that he was in last season. His confidence seems to have taken a bit of a knock since relegation. Um, Smithies is more likely to go than Etheridge. Um, yeah. Another championship side. But yeah, there's a lot of people saying, oh, for Premier League. no Premier League clubs coming in for Etheridge. I mean, one Even, of them needs to go, doesn't they? We've got four keepers on the box. Yeah, and I think, um, well, I think Murphy's contract's up in this week at some point. Uh, Day's signed on and is more than capable as, as good cover in the championship. Smithies and Etheridge, one of them's far too good to be sat on the bench for another season. Um, I think one of them needs to go for their own good. Um, Etheridge has a number one jersey. So I think, unfortunately for us, it's Smithies has to go. And whichever club he goes to, I have no doubt that he'll be a successful. Uh, my feeling is I could, wouldn't be surprised to someone like Birmingham come in for him. Yeah. Um, they seem to be our dumping ground for players we don't want at the <laughs> moment anyway. But um, Lee Camp surprisingly I know has been dropped and having a poor poor run um, and their other goalkeeper has gone in hasn't exactly instilled much confidence in the players either so I think it wouldn't surprise me to see someone like Birmingham come in for him it'd be a good move for him yeah, and, and I think and I think he'll do really well and there's a highly rated keeper in the academy as well isn't there George Ratcliffe that I've heard yeah, quite a lot about um, but... doing great on, on loan in the Welsh Premier League at the moment um, I think if we're looking to bring players through we're missing a trick by not letting him sort of come into that third place, third part of the team and sort of train with the first team as he is at the moment yeah. and getting him involved. Yeah, absolutely. We kind of obviously got back into the game through that Lee Tomlin goal. It was a wonderful goal. And it's one of those ones that if, you know, a Messi or Salah, whoever scores that, there's a lot more fanfare outside of the football league for, isn't it? But do you think he meant it or do you think he was trying to lift oh, it to Morrison? 100%, 100% he meant that goal. He looked at the goal before he places the ball, before he takes the shot. He knows exactly what he's doing there. Yeah, I'm My not dad texted me I'm saying, do you, think he, do you think he meant it? And I said, I don't know, but if anyone's got the audacity to try it, it is Lee Tomlin. There's no way he did not mean that goal. And I'll put my house on it. I'll happily put my house on it. And Tomlin's never going to admit he didn't mean it anyway. But <laughs> even if he didn't, but this, I'm 100% confident he meant that. There's no doubt. The placement, the way he shapes his foot, the way he shapes his body, that's a shot every day of the week. He sees the keeper in no man's land and, yeah, just takes it on. Um, on the, their keeper, Casillas, uh, Casillas, I don't rate him. How he was at Madrid for so long. Yeah. Just absolute gash. <laughs> yeah, it's a strange... It's a, 
it's a big fall from grace, isn't it? From no offense to Leeds, but from Real Madrid to Leeds in the Championship as well. It's on but... a massive wage at Leeds as well. I think it was a free transfer, but his salary is massive. As you put in performances like that, mate, garbage. <laughs> Morrison then uh, sent off. No, he scored first, didn't he? he scored that yeah, scored. that header. Nice, nice header. Classic kind of Morrison. Did you see on uh, the Gary Medin comments? About him possibly getting an England squad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think people are being a bit harsh. I think people are being a bit harsh on Medine, to be fair. He's talking up a teammate who at the time was on form. Um, towards the end of the Prep Championship season, Morrison was absolutely class. Let's not forget that. Oh, uh, was it from uh, then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't uh, like. I thought it was this week. <laughs> no, no, no. This was um, an interview he did for. So I remember seeing it at the time. Um, it's from months. It's probably. It was the pre season of the, of the Premier League season. Um, uh, that's okay. where it's from that makes that's a so- lot more sense yeah even Gary's not that naive come on <laughs> obviously good good header then uh, red card you said earlier you think it was a red card yeah I do I think it's stupid it's mistimed um, it's not it's not dangerous but it's reckless if that makes sense he's not he's not going to injure the player and hurt him but it's enough to I think a three game ban is very harsh but I've got no arguments if it was a red card and a one-game ban. It, it was a bit. It reminded me a bit of that Rawls one against exactly. Spurs last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Morrison's is worse than Rawls. Rawls is just looked better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Morrison's was a lot stupider. Um, but Christ, um, he's going nowhere. It, the ball's yeah. go, he's not got control of the ball. It was just Hulkamania run wild on him there, mate. And he, um, yeah. It's like we we mentioned about Etheridge is is prone to maybe those lapses in in concentration rushing out, but Morrison is too, doesn't he? he does something sometimes. It's like that See, Salah not, one last it's year. It's not something that I think of a Morrison tackle. Um, truthfully, he he's not one that dives in recklessly for me. Um, if Bamba did it, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised. But Morrison, I was quite surprised he did that. I thought he was smarter and better than that, to be honest. I think he's um, quite prone. They're maybe not diving in as much, but oh, he's needlessly. Prone to, he's prone to a mistake and prone to a, a cock-up, but it's more when he's on his feet and sort of someone's going at him. Yeah, fair um, point. It was just, yeah, it was really out of character for him. Um, I, I don't know if he fancy Christmas off, <laughs> but um, whatever he's done, it work. Fair play to him. But yeah, it was just, I was really disappointed with that. It's a time, he knows Flint's off. Flint's gone off injured at that point. Um, you know... We've got a busy Christmas period coming up. We've got Bamba's not quite there yet. And to lose Morrison for three games, it's, um, yeah, it's a shame and um, stupid, to be honest. It's stupid on his part. He was going to get a good solid run in the team, really put pressure on. Having and just re- got back in the team as yeah, well. And claim, and claim that shirt for his own again after he sort of, Harris was saying in the press, um, how impressed he's been with Morrison's attitude. He's not grumble, he's not complaining, he's been the ideal pro, perfect captain, just knows that when his chance comes back in, he's got to take it. The chance was there. And boy, did he fuck it up. Yeah, absolutely. 3-2 then, and obviously that Tomlin flick, that Glatzel finish, unbelievable. I mean, let's start with Tomlin. We mentioned about that. That won the goal that he scored, but I don't remember. uh, Yeah, a, a... a player doing two such remarkable things in in one match in in a card shirt at least for for a while. That flick was just 
incredible. To even try it was just just, just just to know, just to think, I'm going for this. Yeah, uh, this is happening, and then just to lay it on the plate, split the defence, and drop it in for Glatzloot with a really classy finish. Really, really nice. I know he didn't get full contact on it, but it was just enough to tick it, tick it, to nick it under the keeper. And just, yeah, that's a classic striker's finish that I'm really glad that he scored. Um, hopefully he gets a nice little run. Uh, it's another player that gets a nice little run now. Um, but, oh, that flick, just unreal. And then you saw the salty Leeds fans on Twitter. <laughs> oh, my days, trying to say that Hernandez has got, Hernandez's pass was better because Hernandez oh. could do it again. Piss off. I like the, what, there was one Leeds fan who had tweeted something earlier on in the game, like the funniest oh, thing what, is seeing yeah, Lee Tomlin. Tomlin press our defence. Yeah. Tomlin's response, Tomlin all over that, just awkward. <laughs> but Glatzel also did really well to to a get on the end of it. He showed some good some good pace after you know coming back from injury, and also a great finish. And that you know that's the type of thing that we we want to be seeing from him, isn't it? Taking those chances, and you know I mentioned on on last week's pod, I think it was that I can see him doing quite well under under Neil Harris and. He didn't do awfully, I think, at the start of the season. I think some of the criticism was slightly unfair. It's just an almost an impossible job playing in a Warlock system as a, yeah, a sole striker up front. There was a thing years ago, um, Warnock said he should he could have signed Didier Drogba. I think even Drogba could struggle in a Warnock side at times if, they, if they're really up against it and the midfield's not doing getting forward. It's such a lonely job. Yeah. Um, part of the reason I think the strike, it's there's no coincidence that our striker's getting more goals and looking like scoring more goals now, uh, Tomlin's playing because he links the like we cried we cried out we spoke about it a lot that gap between the striker and the midfield. Um, Tomlin's filling that gap brilliantly while also doing a lot of the defensive work. I don't think he's got enough credit for how much he's getting back and sort of doing the defensive work in the midfield job. He's not quite as deep as um, the other two midfielders, but he's working really hard. Yeah, he's not being kept like someone in his role. Um... You quite you think of someone like Raquel May or, or that type of creative just uh, midfield kind of floats. You you kind of sacrifice them and not carry them because they do so many great things. But defensively, you, you think okay, we'll he's cover not, for he, them. He's not coming back. If he comes back yeah. to to defend, he's getting a nosebleed sort of thing. And I think that maybe would have been a fair criticism of Tomlin early on in his Cardiff career. I think um, that's what sort of went against him to start with. Uh, the yeah. first few games, he wasn't quite sure that that's what he had to do. Yeah, but now um, just gotcha. unbelievable work rate, the quality that you show in. And I mean, it couldn't be better time in his kind of resurgence, both for himself and for, for Neil Harris. I mean, from Tomlin's point of view, he got himself fit and, and Harris coming in is perfect timing for him. He's been got faith showing him he's given a run in the team and showing what he's doing for Harris to come in and have someone to start firing like that it's just the perfect partnership at the perfect time really I think it saved his career to be honest I think it's rejuvenated him it's really given him confidence um the City fans want to love Tomlin I think yeah. we've always loved that sort of underdog that sort of that not bad boy because I don't think he's a bad boy but you know what I mean that sort of player that's been discarded that, by other clubs yeah a bit. But yeah we've always been that land of broken toys sort of place sort of Dave Jones Kumas classic Kumas isn't it Kumas brilliant example first time not second time but still um, you look at McCormack you look at Chopra you look at Bothroyd um, and John at Whittingham to an extent but he wasn't doing a lot with Villa when he was there Um, I think he'd been on loan at Derby and sort of we've brought these players in and sort of 
they've either come from Scotland or they've come from the sort of team, sort of bigger clubs that people don't want anything to sort of discard and eyes or waste of time. And um, seeing players like that, fans really love that. And sort of, I think Tomlin is a player that needs to be loved as well. Um, if the fans aren't chanting his name, he gets really sad. You can see when he goes to clubs he's played for that he doesn't want to get booed. He um, or he'll never. And I like that. It's a professional thing of he'll never leave a club and slag the fans off, slag that club off, because he wants to go back and get a good reception for himself. And I think it's a professional thing to do as well. Sometimes I don't like it when players slag off another club for the sake of it. Uh, I'm looking at you, Bobby Reed. Um, <laughs> but seeing someone like Tom, he needs to be loved by fans. And um, what he's doing at the moment, he's going to get... I think it's time to give him the magic hat. I've seen a few people say, I was say just Twitter. Thinking that. Yeah. it's that. He, he's in the magic hat. Um, it's time, isn't it? It's been a while. Oh, who's the last one to have it? Thorn? Wasn't there someone that had it a, a little bit in between? Oh, who was it? I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to come back on that. But I'm sure someone had it since Peter Thorne. I can't remember anyone. That's the last time I remember that song being sung from the City fans. Definitely consistently. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I think he's more than deserving of it. Uh, pure... I know who it is. Stephen Thompson. Oh, yeah. No, he yeah. had it. He had it. Yeah, drunk uh, it. Thanks to fanchance.com <laughs> for that. Uh, for that <laughs> fact, uh, but obviously that that draw. It's nice to be that type of thing go in favour of Cardiff, doesn't it? It seems it's, it's the type of thing that would usually go against us. And you know, I always have flashbacks to that. Is it the four four against Peterborough? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's nice it's, to have uh... that go in our favour for once. Yeah, it's not too often we get to be on the other, on the other end of these results. It's normally we're the ones cocking it up. But good old Leeds when they play Cardiff, <laughs> they, if there's one thing they're good at, it's bottling it against Cardiff. Yeah, I, I, I've taken the piss on Twitter saying they're crumbling and it's falling apart again, <laughs> but it, it ain't happening this year, please. Well, we did uh, say last week it wouldn't be the first time that a Cardiff uh, win against Leeds yeah. has derailed the Leeds season, would it? So I yeah, don't see. Yeah. I, I can I can only see West Brom and Leeds going up. I really don't see any other team coming anywhere near them. Ten, are they 10 points clear? Yeah, 10 points of um, Preston in third. Yeah, I just... I think it's a playoff shootout for the rest of us now. Um, yeah, they're, they're quality. Yeah. And now I'm going to wash my mouth out after saying that. <laughs> we look at the table going into kind of entering the festive games now, aren't we? And we're in 12th. Sadly, Swansea have gone back above us after that. Drawing their win, but we're on 32 yeah, points. Yeah, Jesus Christ, Middlesbrough. If you're going to bottle it, mate, come on. Down to nine men and just completely crumbled. Oh, Useless. Andy, Camp- Andy Campbell, what are, you doing? what are your boys doing, mate? Come on. Yeah. We're only three points off the playoffs, Fulham in, in sixth. And it's kind of, it feels like that for, for a little while, hasn't it? We've kind of been lingering there, waiting to to kind of kickstart and, and jump up into this playoff spot. But... You know, as long as we're still hovering there, it, it, it's okay, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, we've got a tough Christmas, but it's also a Christmas that could really work in our favour. Um, there's a lot of teams in and around the playoffs between now and January. Um, you look at Preston, even Millwall, they're on a hell of a run since, um, what's his name's gone there? Um, Gary Monk? Gary, no, Gary Monk's not, uh, Millwall. Oh, He's uh, Rowett. Gary Rowett, yeah. Yeah, Rowett's gone there. They're on. A, I think they've only lost once since he's gone in charge. And then you've got Sheffield Wednesday, another team that's sort of in and around. You expect to sort of be pushing for those playoff places. Um, 
they're not quite relegation six points, but they're really big points. If you're going to start, if you want to be in contention for the playoffs, you need to start taking points off your rivals in around there. And I think that's something we've struggled with a bit this season. We've for once been very good at taking points off teams below us, but it's the teams above us we've struggled with this year. Yeah, one of those teams above us obviously comes to the Cardiff City Stadium on Saturday. Preston in third in the table. Very good sides. Alex Neal, very good manager. I dread playing Preston. And I tell you why, I always think back to, was it, in, it might have been in our promotion year when we played Preston. They ended at our unbeaten run. They won 3 0 um, and they yeah. just bossed it. They absolutely made us look. Like amateurs, like they kept the ball, passed us across uh, off the pitch, and I went through. They, I think they won both games against us in our our promotion year. So this is going to be a tough game, isn't it? Yeah, our record against Preston's pretty poor. Um, I remember the, te- the game you're on about. Um, I went to the stadium to watch it when they were doing the beanbag thing um, for a short while. I think I paid like eight quid to go and watch it, and um, yeah, it was bad. Um, we always seem it more when we go up to them we do badly. Um, home record's not too bad. I think it was like three one. Once a horse called that absolute worldy against them a few seasons ago. Yeah. But um, they're a good side. They can be hard to beat. Um, very very solid. Um, Neil's done a great job with them. I really think he's done a great job. I think they've sort of they had a little dip for a few weeks. Um, didn't pit were struggling for a loss to QPR, West Brom, and a few other teams. But um, wins against Fulham and Luton now, they're really sort of looking to stick back into the playoffs. I think they're real playoff contenders this year. And it's another team, isn't it, like we said, that will continue to, to dominate possession against Leeds. Cardiff had, you know, in a 20s possession and you'd imagine it be similar, maybe, you know, 30s, early 40s. And, but Preston will dominate possession and we really need to work out again how to play against those type of teams, don't we? Yeah, 100%. They're a team that's going to look... They're probably not going to play tiki taka, pass it around, but they're going to get at us. They're going to be high pressing and look to dominate possession, keep hold of the ball for as long as possible. Um, I know we're looking to improve our possession stats, but uh, Preston's not going to be one of those games that this happens. And they also push, which worries me. They're, all, they're a team that have got a good record at scoring late goals. Um, they'll push right until the end. So, um, yeah, City need to cut this out of starting halves and finishing halves poorly if they're going to um if we're going to look to pick up three points on Saturday. And the big kind of selection decision we, we talked about a little bit earlier is is at center half Flint injured looks like he's going to miss this one Morrison obviously three match ban. Nelson is the obvious one to to be starting it's who partners him isn't it and this calls for Sol Bamba is it too soon or or you know Neil Harris spoke about there'll come a time where you just have to take the plunge and, and put him in and do you think this is it? I think it has to be. Um I was reading his press conference earlier. Um he's saying that Sol's um Sol knows when he's ready. Um and he's saying he's ready so it's time for him to have a good good run. It's time for him to get out there and prove it. If he's not we've got um a capable replacement in Kieran Brown. Um, I'm just worried that that yet not so much young but sort of lack of championship experience with those two centre backs could be a problem against a side sort of like Preston. It is Kieran Brown, isn't it? Or the other option is maybe moving Peltier in at right centre back and, and putting Cameron Cox, which will be interesting to see how how well, there Cox was talk does. on Twitter that that was happening, wasn't there? There was some. Um, I don't know how true it is. A lot of people claim to be in the know, um, but there was talks that Cameron Cox is making his debut, his league debut. 
on Saturday and Peltier's drifting uh, drifting into the centre. Again, it's not something I'm totally against. Um, I think Cox is ready to get a good run. I think Peltier does a good job of centre-back. But for me, I think if uh, Sol's ready to go, you put him back in just, just for his leadership, yeah. just for that voice on the pitch. Because I think you look at that squad there, other than Pack now, with the players we've got, there's not a lot of talking going on. No. And um, that sort of costs us with the midfield. I think you put Sol back in there purely just for the vocal side of it. You're not. Pe- people are going to know their jobs. They're going to know when they're not pulling their finger. And I think that's really important on Saturday. And the other pro, of course, is the Sol Bamba Christmas. It is Christmas. Song. Christmas, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You can't deny us that song at Christmas. No. No. It's it's been quite quite a while. It's been a bit ashamed not to hear it all the way through. So um, it, that would be. I think it should be a year, a year long song, really. Yeah, I don't get why we just don't keep going with it. It's a belter. When's the cutoff? Like, who decides, you know, is the derby on the 12th of January? Is that, you know, too I don't late think, for I Christmas songs? Like, Chris, Christmas trees come down, uh, Sol Bamba song stops, Wham get put away, Marco Buble goes back in the freezer. I think that's sort of what happens with it. It's a shame. All right, I'm starting the petition for year round Sol Bamba Christmas songs. All right, would you rather, in honour of Gareth Baker, would you rather the Soul Bamba song year round, but you have to listen to Michael Bublé on repeat, or Michael Bublé disappears like he should every Christmas, but you don't get the Soul Bamba song all year round? Choosing Soul Bamba all day. Really? Even yeah. though it's, it's Soul Bamba song, then you've got to listen to like two hours of Bublé non stop. Yeah, I, I, I'd put up with that. I think you're being a bit harsh on Bublé. I think he, he's easy listening, you know? <sighs> you're in a coffee shop, nothing wrong with Michael Bublé. Oh. Anyway, we'll move on. Obviously, we mentioned there's a, it's a busy, festive period coming up and looking at the games coming up, obviously Preston on Saturday at home, Millwall at home on the Thursday, Boxing Day, Sheffield Wednesday away on the 29th, QPR at home, uh, away, sorry, on the 1st on New Year's Day. How many points do you think we'll be picking up from those games, Ben? Let's start with with Saturday against Preston. What what's your score prediction? The home game. Um, I think we I think we've got to look to win, but I don't know if we will. Um, I'll go one all draw. Okay, well, but Millwall away. Nope, Millwall. I Millwall at home. Can I Millwall at home on Boxing Day? A record of Boxing Harris is all pants, old club. Yeah, old club, which bodes well. But then you remember that. Sort of our record on Boxing Day is absolutely bloody crap. Um, I can't go one all again, can I? Um, two 0 City, Millwall's run have got to go at some point. They're not that good. Away to Sheffield Wednesday on the 29th, What are you going for? I fancy Wednesday to win that. Because he might. Yeah, that's bugger. Yeah, that's going to happen. He's going to tear us apart, isn't he? I miss Kadeem Harris a bit. <sighs> can we swap in for Murphy? Yeah, I, I so would. The Murphy brothers would be so happy together, and <laughs> I'd be so happy to get rid of him. Yeah, um, but Kadeem, like, if there's a a lot of criticism for the uh, Kadeem leaving from City's point of view, but I don't think he'd have kicked on the way he has this season in that side. Um, the start of the season Harris had, absolutely unbelievable, and um, I'm glad to see him doing well. So you're going for a Wednesday win there? I'll have to go for a Wednesday win there. I can't see us picking up anything. How are, going to, how are we going to start 2020 New Year's Day away to QPR? It's a weird one at QPR. Um, I can't tell if they're good or not. <laughs> they're one of those teams. Um, where are they at the moment? 
kind of just see where they are. They're down there below us. So they've dropped off. Um, I'll go for an away win there. Um, start the new year, new year off right. Yeah, I'll go for a uh, City win. Seven points from a possible twelve there. That's not bad. Sort of where you there yeah. there or thereabouts where you want to be. And I think on the form of what we're we're showing at the moment, that's kind of where we belong. I think rather than picking picking up any any more. Um, yeah, I'd take that, and I think you know a win to start twenty twenty, and and obviously there's the FA Cup round uh, on the fourth before the Derby on on the twelfth, uh, the home the home leg, which there'll be a lot of anxiety and anticipation for, won't there? After the dismal showing in the in the away leg, I was talking about this from the boys in work um, today. Actually, we were talking about the FA Cup and sort of the Derby following it he thinks it's a good time to sort of rest some players, get them fully fit, make sure there's no injuries going into the derby. But my thing with that is if you go into the derby after getting knocked out of the, getting knocked out in the FA Cup in the third round by Carlisle, fans ain't going to be happy. They're going to be really edgy, really nervous. Um, yeah. I fancy a cup run as well. Harris I likes one, doesn't he? He, he does. Yeah, he's had a couple of good cup runs with Millwall. Um, I think he sees the FA Cup as a really important thing. And against Carlisle, you can afford to give... Cox a start, give Kieran Brown a start. Um, Bamba some game time again. Bamba some game time. Joe Day a good run out. Um, Volks a run out. I think there's a few players that sort of can really get a good stretch of the legs and get a good get some more minutes under their belt that are sort of not quite first team contention but need the minutes to be up in contention for the first team. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's move on. We've obviously talked about the Preston game and. We're coming to the uh, the end of the decade, and worth noting, actually, this will be the last uh, podcast of the year. We're going to have a little break before returning in in the new year, so the last podcast of the decade. We're doing on the site a um, a player of the decade award, but I'm not going to say who that is because I want to give it away. Um, so that'll come in in well before the end of the decade. But Ben, I want to do a view from the Ninian Pod team of the decade. So. We're going from the 2009-2010 season because you know technically that that was the very start up until this season 2019-20. So I've I've picked out a few players for us to pick from for each position. We're going to go for a four-three-three purely because I don't think there's a great choice of strikers. There's more. I was going to say yeah. it's all pretty straightforward until we get that front. So in goal, the three options I've got: uh, Marshall, Heaton, and Etheridge. Who are you going for? I can't believe no Stephen Bywater hasn't made it. Um, it's got to be David Marshall, isn't it? Yeah, I'd agree uh, with that. Best goalkeeper City have ever had. Just an absolute master when he played for us his season in the Premier League. How he didn't get the big move is beyond me. And how his career's gone the way it has since is beyond me as well. Um, top leader on the pitch. Best goalkeeper I can ever remember City having. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd agree with that. Etheridge is... Is great. Heaton's a very good keeper and obviously gone he, on to do a lot of good things, but not in a Cardiff suit necessarily. Heaton's better than Etheridge. Yeah, um, Heaton, when he was at Cardiff, was better than Etheridge's now as well. He was just Heaton was mass- just unlucky. Yeah, we were sweeping since the dark days of Peter Enkelman. We've been so lucky the goalkeepers we've had. Um, I know we had that little bl- uh, blip with Ben Wilson in goal um, and <laughs> Ben Amos, but we've been really lucky overall with the keepers we've had. Um, and Heaton um, yeah did a great job while he was at us and it was a shame to see him go but the right move for him clearly look at how he's doing now in the Premier League and England yeah. cap yeah but no I'd agree Marshall's best keeper I've seen in a Cardiff shirt probably I'd, I'd put Neil Alexander second 
whether yep. he actually is better than maybe Etheridge he's I don't know but nostalgia tells me that that he was so we've got Marshall in goal right back I've got four options for you we've got the Silver Fox Kevin McNaughton Lee Peltier Jazz Richards and I've put Bruno Manga here because he did play a lot at right back oh it's between two and it um, for me it's between McNaughton Peltz. and Bruno Manga really yeah You'd have Manga over Peltier right back. I think so. I think Peltier's been fantastic at right back. I think he's the most consistent player in the squad. And I absolutely love him because he's so scouse. But um, yeah. I, can't not, I can't not give it to McNaughton. I think, um, I think it has to be, doesn't it? Just for a player to get concussed every game and still <laughs> play the way he did and just the passion he showed for the club and the love he has for the club and the love he has for wine since leaving the club um, yeah it's got to be a silver fox perfect so centre half we've got two to choose from we've given you six options to choose from here so as we marshall in goal and McNaughton right back centre half we're choosing from Mark Hudson Stephen Corker Ben Turner I've put Bruno Manga again at centre half Sean Morrison and Sol Bamba. Um, I'm going to go Mark Hudson. Yeah. Um, and he'd be my captain as well, if you're going to ask that. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, Hudson's genuinely one of my favourite all-time City players, and I think the way he left the club was an absolute disgrace um, on City's part, not on his. And I'd love to see him manage just one day, or at least coming in on the coaching role. Um, and I'll go for... Oh, it's, between, it's between Manga and Morrison for me. Not Bamba. Oh, I love Bamba, but it's got to be Manga. I think Manga's such a classy defender. Okay, um, I'll, I'll give him. you that one. I'll give you that one. I, I was going to go Hudson and Bamba, but we'll meet yeah, in the I middle. Could, we'll go for. I could see that. We'll go for Manga. I think that would be a solid partnership, wouldn't it, Hudson and Manga? Yeah. Yeah. Left back. I'll be honest with you. It was a bit slim pickings here. No disrespect to to our left back. So I've got three options. Got Andrew Taylor, Fabio, or Joe Bennett. They've all got pluses and they've all got negatives, haven't they? Yeah. Um, I did love Fabio. Like, he, I, lo- I don't no, think he Fab- was the Fabio. best, but he was fun, wasn't he? Ah, oh, absolutely. You just didn't know if he was going to score a worldie, um, play amazing, or kill someone. Absolutely yeah. loved watching him. Absolute head case. Um, I was gutted when he left. He's honestly up there, one of my favourite players of the last decade. Nice having a Brazilian uh, as well, wasn't it? Yeah, well, there's your personal preferences. That we know our host Scott does his pubes. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, he was class. Um, just so much fun to watch. Andrew Taylor, absolutely solid for us um, when he played for us. I think he, I'd rank him third out of the three, though, for me. Yeah, um, I think just the platinum players pulls him down for me. Um, yeah, it's got to be Bennett in it. It's got to be. It's just been. If you're taking out this season, sort of the poor form he's shown, um, I think he's been pretty reliable since he's been here. It's just a bit of a blip now. I think it's got to be Bennett. But I love Fabio as well. It's close between him and Fabio. Yeah. Bennett's poor form this season. He's been really poor, hasn't he? Really poor. He's putting me off slightly. But. In our promotion season, and he did well in the Premiership as and well. And the Premier League as well. He after, was... he, after he got his place back from um, Cunningham, Cunningham, yeah, yeah, he was okay. Let's go, Bennett. So we got Marshall, McNaughton, Hudson, Manga, and Bennett as our 
our back line. We'll go to the right wing first of all. Three options again. We've got Chris Burke, Craig Conway, and Nathaniel Mendes Lang. I loved Conway, and I love Chris Burke, and I love Mendes Lang. I'm putting I'm putting my vote straight for Chris Burke. I think yeah. out of the three, he excited me the most. When Chris Burke got the ball, he's one of those you'd get on the edge of your seat a bit, wouldn't you? Age class, absolutely phenomenal. But and that partnership with McNaughton, too Scottish. Yeah, but look at his Twitter. He's one of those. Oh, is he? He is, yeah. Hey, speak, I forgot to mention this, actually. You know, we always talk about, like you say, Burke and Turner and, and Jordan Much, kind of embarrassing ex-players. I feel a bit for Crystal Palace fans. Have you seen uh, Neil Shipperley? Oh, no. What's he done? Oh, my God. Let me read you this headline. <laughs> Neil Shipperley sentenced for public masturbation. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Yep. Oh, I didn't see it coming, but someone else did. In front of a mother and her 16-year-old daughter. Jesus. Absolute wrong Yeah. The mother said she was disgusted by the sight. I don't blame her, really. Yeah, I would be too. Yeah. Yeah, that's not something you're looking at and going, no, I'm going to take a picture of that and put that in the old, uh, put that in the bank for later. Yeah, so I mean, you know, as much as some of our ex-players have god-awful political opinions at least they're not flashing i got panicked today um i don't know if you saw us on twitter you know um, how yeah it, but it looks like it was an accidental like because he quickly unliked it yeah because i did like nah i can't <laughs> right ben turner moment has been spoiled for me that wembley goal has been spoiled by me by him being a tommy robertson supporter yeah. it's been ruined for me that's another reason why he didn't make it into that team but to have that hal robson carnu goal ruined for me I think I'd have to give up football and go watch something else because that is my favourite memory in football ever and for him to be supporting Trump would just be brutal yeah, although, I, I, although I did read that didn't he go to school with um, Kate Middleton who how yeah I think he's one of those uh, he's quite a posh boy isn't he oh, fair play he's, I mean, he's definitely clever with all his cryptocurrency isn't he <laughs> yeah yeah we got distracted, haven't we? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm saying Chris Burt. I know some opinions, but let, yeah. if we had to put a side I, out if, if to win a game... For, not even a side to win a game. If you're going for a side you want to see see play, yeah, I think he's got to be in it. Yeah. Um, Conway, Burke. fantastic player for us. Didn't stop running. Worked. His absolute nuts off. And again, Mendes has been great since he's been at the club. A bit hot and cold at times, but still great player to watch when he's on form but I think yeah. it has to be Chris Burke so centre of the park this is where it's the most tricky I think three we're picking from here it's got Peter Whitnam Stephen McPhail Jason Kumas Aaron Gunnison Joe Rawls Gary Medell and Victor Camarata I think we can rule out Kumas because it was that second spell yeah we're not talking first spell Kumas we're talking yeah. second spell Kumas so this is where you have to weigh up, don't you? You know, if we're talking putting a real team out tactically, you know, really the dream think... team would be Camaras, Whitnam, McPhail. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And that was sort of my feeling for it. But I think um, McPhail sort of wasn't at his best during this decade. I think he was more the decade before. I love Stephen McPhail so Absolutely. much. Baller of a player. I think he gets. He's one of those players. I think City fans have sort of forgotten um, a bit in time I think sort of think the way he left the club and sort of 
just everything around it um and how he sort of faded away obviously with his um illness and then uh his condition with the joints as well sort of he wasn't quite the player he was when he left the club he should have been um but he is a so he is one of the best players midfielders we've ever had i've never been so annoyed at how fans Cardiff fans treat a player as mcphail I remember sitting there watching and like appreciating so much the things he did, and then you'd hear some bloke behind going, "Oh, McSnail, he only passes sideways." Yeah, oh. yeah. mate, he is the class, one of the classiest players we've ever had. Yeah. So clever, just pick a pass from nothing. There's a reason Wigan played at his best when he played alongside McPhail. Yeah, agreed. Just fucking unbelievable, Steve McPhail at, at peak. But I think for this decade, I think we've got to rule him out. Yeah, if you're looking, he left in kind of 2013, didn't really play the... Two years. 2011. Yeah, I think his prime was the end of, of the previous decade, wasn't it? So he's yeah. he's got to go out. Uh, um, I think got no, there. Whittingham's a no-brainer. Whittingham's Cardiff City's best ever player. Come at me, anyone that argues. Um, my favourite player of all time and just an absolute god. So he's in the side. Um, I think I'd rule out Gary Medell just because he was... Single season didn't show. If you're talking first half of the season before Mackay got sacked, yeah, I think he was unreal. And then he sort of thought, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and then sort of realised, "Oh, the World Cup's coming soon. I'm going into hibernation mode." Um, so yeah, and we didn't see a single red card from him. Which That's is unbelievable. That written that that unbelievable. It's unforgivable. <laughs> that this is a bloke that got four red cards, two in one game. Um, he got sent off for kicking a chair. Like Gary Medell needed to um, just—he—he he just could have been absolute head case and just got a couple of red cards towards the end of the season. It wouldn't affect his World Cup, and he still could have got the move. He just didn't give the fans what he wants, so he gets ruled out. Yeah. Victor you know Camarasa. Um, again, probably one of the best players I've ever seen in a Cardiff shirt. Yeah, but it's talking the whole decade. Yeah, he's one of the best. I think he's the most talented player to have ever played for the club. But is he? Did he do enough at Cardiff in the thirty-eight games he played for us to get in that team of the decade over someone like Gunnarsson or another player we've mentioned is Joe Rawls? Yeah, Joe. You know I think I think it's got to be Gunnarsson, Whittingham, uh, and Rawls. Yeah, I think if you're looking consistency over the decade. I think there's your three. Yeah. Sorry, Vic and Gary and Stephen. But just miss out. Left wing, then three options here. One of them you'll laugh at, but I actually really struggled to find a third option. So the first one is Craig Bellamy. Yep. Second is Junior Hoylert. And the third one is Josh Murphy. Josh Murphy. (laughs) That's the last listener we've got just switching off there. The thing is, you look through, there's not that many great left-wingers that we've had. Pilkinson, maybe, you could have put in. Kazim Harris, maybe. I mean, really, I should have gone for two, just Bellamy and Hoyler. I think it's going to be Bellamy, in it? Yeah. Um, Hoyler was, has been nothing but sensational for us, but Bellamy and the two, the three seasons he was with the club, the impact he had was unreal. Even in the Premier League, um, all right, he, was, he didn't score many goals. I think he got two. Officially got one, but there's no way you can say Aspilicueta's own goal against Chelsea shouldn't have counted for Bellamy. Um, but yeah, just he changed the club. 
Um, so I think Bellamy has to go in. Hoylet's influence can't be under underappreciated either. Uh, being fantastic for us. Um, I'm trying to think who else could go on the left. It's going to be Bellamy no matter what. But I'm trying to think of another third option. Uh, Don Cowie. Hey, he's right, wasn't he? He played on the right oh, wing. He was, yeah, yeah. It's a tough one. It is an area who, that we lacked in, really. Sort of. Who was? Who, sort of. I'm trying to think of like Mackay played there for so long, didn't he? That's yeah. that the last decade. Did Conway play there? Conway was a bit on the left, wasn't he? Um, yeah. With yeah, and in the first season especially. Um, who was the other side of Burke in the 2010-11 season? So you've got Burke on the right. Who was the other side? He was a whitting of a bit, but who else? I don't know. Who are we forgetting? It, I literally I went through the whole squads and I just couldn't find anyone. Let me have a look. So on 2010-11, there was Bellamy was on the left. Yeah. But when he did, right. when he when he decided he wasn't going to play, Witt. Um, yeah, it was Wits, wasn't it? Yeah. J. Emmanuel Thomas. No. <laughs> if you go, if you go on worst team of the decade, he's top of my list. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd agree. and he from a player that actually DM'd me on Twitter asking for a fight, <laughs> <laughs> and then blocked me. Um, wow. Yeah. When you look in the place. next season, Wits Conway played a bit there. Team Harris a bit. Well, he didn't actually make any I appearances didn't that make appearance today. No. Aaron, bloody hell, Aaron Wilduke made 21 appearances that year. 21 appearances? What? With Mackay? Oh, no. That, sorry, that's just in, for the club in total. I was going to say. Christ. This is um, interesting. It's all right. I'm going completely off topic here. But like Whittingham, you think, could play in um, you know, millions more appearances than the most. Like Stephen McPhail, I would say Whitten played loads more games than McPhail for Cardiff. Whitten played two hundred and eleven, and McPhail one hundred ninety three. That doesn't surprise me. Whit sort of when McPhail, McPhail played, just he just didn't get injured, did he? he? The only time McPhail really had a stop in his sort of time when he played until he got ill was for the red cards against Swansea. Yeah. Other than that, he was in the squad every time. Yeah, true. Um, I love to have him back as director of football why we're not doing it it's just such a sensible sensible move um, maybe they are you never know let's give them credit mm. <laughs> yeah let's move on because I get told off but I think um, we're, we're doing Bellamy I think aren't we yeah Bellamy definitely but Hoyler gets an honourable mention and fully deserved maybe on the subs bench for me mm-hmm. sorry I'm going to drink there uh, yeah right. yeah. He... striker now so let's go through the team we've got Marshall McNaughton Hudson Amanga Joe Bennett Chris Burke, Whittenham, Gunnison, Rawls, Bellamy on the left. Striker. Obvious two to name a Chopper and Bothroyd. But they kind of only did a season each in this decade for Cardiff. The Chopper did 2009 and 10. He scored 16 goals. And then 2010-11, nine goals. Bothroyd, same two seasons. Did he only score nine goals that season? In the league, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I see in my head it's always he scored a lot more than he did, I think, with Chopra. It just seems like he scored every week for me. I don't know. I think it's probably a hindsight looking back, but yeah. Well in his It's when he died his, when it's he... when he it's when he dyed his hit brown, wasn't it? That's where it all went yeah. wrong. Yeah. And Bothroyd's eleven goals and then eighteen in the league, so 
two decent seasons there. And apart from, you know, Chopra and, and Bothroyd, it's slim pickings a bit in terms of making it into into the team. I got Fraser Campbell, I think he Fraser Campbell's the one that stuck out for me. Yeah, he, he was important, wasn't he, in, in those games and in those teams. Sorry, I got Kenza Hall, but I don't think he's particularly in with, with a shout. And the curveball that I've I've put in uh is Heider Helgerson. Yeah, man, ten he goals. Was good. He was good in that promotion, Ten goals yeah. for that few months, yeah. Sort of I think he pretty much gave up towards the end of the season. I think his body was done, but um, yeah, t- ten goals in the league, top he's scorer. He's kind of one of those forgotten ones, isn't he? Yeah, he's a, he, again a forgotten player that sort of played such a big part early on in the season for us. Um, yeah, he was class for us. Um, I just can't forget that was it the Ipswich game where he scored those two goals off just off his face, <laughs> yeah. not even headers. They were just off his face and just crushed his nose. Um, yeah, I loved Helgson. Um, so we've got really. five strikers to choose from there, but all kind of only having single or two seasons in this decade that they that they did particularly well um, I think for me you've got to look at the play you'd want to see play at their peak and it's got to be Jay Bothroyd but so. Fraser Campbell and Chopra are very, running very close yeah and but I think is Bothroyd. if I was actually setting up this team in you know tactically in a system I think Bothroyd would work best in this system with these players yeah definitely um just that he's just such a talented player, ruined by a bit of an ego and sort of being very immature at a time where he needed to sort of have his head screwed on a bit. But um, yeah, I think the worst thing he did was leave City. I yeah. think chasing that money at QPR, I think he could have flourished and done really well under Mackay and um, sort of established himself and got an even bigger move after another season. But he chose he chased the money. And I can't blame him. Look, it's a short career. He's doing well out in China now. Uh, not China, sorry, Japan. And um, yeah, He's my, he's, he's my go-to, I think. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. So we go through the team. We've got Marshall in goal, Kevin McNaughton, Mark Hudson, Bruno Manga, Joe Bennett, Chris Burke, Peter Whitnam, Aaron Gunnison, Joe Rawls, Craig Bellingham on the left wing, and Jay Bothroyd up front. Pretty good team, I'd say. That's not bad, is it? That's not yeah. a bad team at all. Uh, yeah, you forget with some of the drops we've had over the years, like, we've had some good players. I think of the p- people we've left out as well. Yeah, there's a lot of players that got a real good shot. You look at some like the qualities of Victor Camarasa not making it. Uh, World Cup player like Gary Medell. Um, yeah, some good players. And then if we're picking our our manager for this team for the decade, obviously got started it off with with Malky, Russell Slade, Gun, uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, uh, Paul Trollop, and then Neil Warnock. Oh, it's too early to include Neil Harris in this. Warnock is the obvious shout. I go for Gabs and Scott Young. Gabs and Scott Young, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Warnock's the obvious shout, but I think I'd rather see Malky Mackay manage this team. I'd rather Dave Jones. He wasn't this decade, though, was he? Yeah, he was. Ten, eleven, he left. Yeah, true. Dave Jones onto that team could be carnage, but in a good way. Could be they'd be fun to watch. If you want an exciting team that sort of played the best football, yeah. <laughs> Dave Jones, the teams, while they had their moments of pure frustration, um, I think some of the best football we've seen from Cardiff and probably not just the last decade, probably the last 10 years has been under Dave Jones. But for me, it's got to be Warnock. The best manager of City this decade has been Warnock. Yeah. Um, 
I've got a thing with Mackay, and this is going to get me some flack. I know it's going to cook Benny especially, but the promotion we got under Mackay with the money we spent, I think there's quite a few managers could have done the job he did. Um, maybe they wouldn't have built that team, but with the money they spent, with the money they had, he had more money than, say, Dave Jones ever had at City. He, 15 million, I think, we spent that summer. Um, there's a lot of investment went into the club. And, um, yeah, I think Dave Jones would have got us up that year if he had had the chance to spend the money. Um, not, so I'm not saying sacking him wasn't the right move, because it was. But if you're looking at who's done the best job, what Warnock did with that squad, there's yeah. no doubt for me he's numero uno. Yeah, I'd agree. I, I, I agree with the chat that Dave Jones would probably get this team playing the best football. But what Warnock has achieved, if we're going on a managerial achievement, is, is second to none, isn't it? And you've got to include it. And I think if we didn't, we would be absolutely crucified. Yeah. Yeah, so I think he's... He's in. Warnock's yeah. in. Where we have it, our team of the decade. We'll, we'll be sure to share this on Twitter and see how much stick we get. Um, oh, I'm, I'm prepared for tons of abuse. Yeah. And that is just from Baker. But we did put his boy in. We did put his boy in, so... Joe Bennett, yeah. I'd quite, quite like to swap Fabio out just to wind Baker up. I fucking think of that. <laughs> do we do it <laughs> just tweeting out team of the decade on the pod we'll obviously be sharing our player of the decade on uh, on View from the Ninja and in the next I think maybe next week just before Christmas next week, yeah, yeah um, and we've got a really exciting exclusive interview as well with that said player Ben thanks for, for joining us and, and thanks everyone's listening and like we said this will be the last one of, of 2020 so um, 2019. Unless, 2019 even unless something drastic happens like I don't know, Harris is sacked or Tan sells the club, which I doubt is going to happen. If he could, I really need a break I've got a lot on this Christmas <laughs> um, I want to get pissed a lot, um, so yeah, if the club could just be normal over Christmas, yeah, that'd be ace It would, wouldn't it? But yeah, no, thanks for, for everyone's support in, in 2019 and listening and, you know, join us in 2020 for more View from the Ninian and, and have a great Christmas Merry Christmas everyone Yeah. Cheers, Ben. Cheers, dude. Bye.